Hey, Jay. Hey, Tyler. I have a question for you. Oh, man, I hope I have an answer. What movie, when you were a kid, was a popular movie that you actively were too scared to see? Oh, man. That maybe you didn't want to admit to people, like everybody else had seen it, but you're like, I don't know. Or maybe there was one that you did see, and it really scared you, but you didn't want to talk about it to people. Yeah, I think... It, it, it's of a related subject. Uh, my first rated R movie mm. um, was Tim Burton's Batman. Uh, I don't think that's rated R. I believe it is. I think it's PG thirteen, but it's nonetheless challenge flag. Uh, okay, you you if tell only me because my dad wouldn't let me watch it. So if he's been lying to me all this okay, time, one hundred percent, he's been lying to you. I can tell you right now. I'll be but sad. But you 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 tell me about it. Well, tell me so your experience. I uh, a friend of mine at school on the bus uh, loaned me a DVD or not a DVD. That would be you know, now. <laughs> he was from the future. Yeah, right. He came back. Like, how I, do I play this? It's a I CD. Had no way to use it. I just it. got a CD player last week. Uh, it's a. It was a VHS cassette, and uh, it had on the back cover. I. I. I don't know. Again, maybe I'm. I'm conflating uh, memories and images, but I remember seeing somewhere Jack Nicholson as the Joker with the bloody face, like the when his teeth get knocked out in that scene where they're fighting yeah, in the bell tower. Yeah. yeah. Um, Spoiler, by the way. Well, I mean, come on. At this point, it is a it is like a what a thirty five year old man. That's <laughs> real sad. It's true, but it's real sad. Wait, ninety? Yeah, it's thirty years. It's thirty one years old. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Tyler, Tyler, coming in with the math skills. See? Watch Look out! That. You can't slip that math by me for more than thirty five seconds. So I remember I had this problem of my dad said no, I couldn't see it. But my friend had given me the VHS, so I hid it in my uh, in my sock drawer for a little oh, classic. Oh my goodness! Classic uh, young boy thing to do: hide something in your sock drawer. And I eventually watched it, and it, I, I was kind of scared to see it because the mystique had been built up and the the blood and the, all well, that good stuff. And there's also some, I think the I think what you just described is the only blood in the entire movie. It really is. Um, it's truly all there is. It's also uh, there is something about things that are forbidden. Yes. That when you've actively been told you are not allowed to watch this. Right. That it takes on... First of all, it makes you want to watch it that much more. Yes. But also, in the back of my head, was kind of like, why should I not watch it? PG-13? PG-13. How about that? Father, I'm coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Have really you seen it? Is. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did oh, no, see it. I yeah, did yeah. see it, yeah. But did it... Did it... Were you... Did you regret having seen it? Were you like, this was too much for me? No, because I, I remember being so hyped up, scared about it. Yeah that by the time we got to that scene, which again is at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so if anything, it opened up the floodgates to watch more scary movies than had previously. Because I was is, like, yeah, whatever. Oh, this is an R-rated movie? It feels like a PG-13 movie. Yeah, right, at yeah. best. <laughs> uh, who came up with that? What was the first... I mean, I know I'm, I'm breaking down your whole memory system here. Do yeah. you know what the first proper R-rated movie was? Not, not anymore. Yeah. Because I really thought that was it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think, uh, I would, I remember being very scared having seen, um, Indiana Jones, I yeah. mean, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, the final scene, which I mean, this isn't a spoiler. Everybody, everybody's face melts. Yeah. Literally everybody's face melts. Not except for Indiana Jones, all the Nazis, their faces melt in, in the most literal. If you haven't seen it, literally their faces melt off. Yeah. And it's really, it's the great it's the beauty of 1980s special effects where there's no digital effects at all. No. Oh. And they had to do it practically. If they did that digitally now, it would not be scary at all. There nope. would be nothing scary about it. 
the fact that they actually had to construct like a, a wax face of this guy and then just melt it um, makes it, it doesn't look like a person, but it looks like something terrifying. Yep. Like that's the best way to explain it. Like that. Um, there's a movie called Scanners, which I've never seen the whole movie of. Because why would you watch yeah, the movie right. Scanners? Uh, but there, there's a meme of it where there's just a guy who explodes, his head explodes. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the movie Scanners, which is also an '80s movie, the, it, the whole premise is that these people have like telekinesis, and they can make other people's heads explode. I don't know any. Cool. I don't think that there's anything more to the movie than that. <laughs> but then two scanners encounter each other, and they both try to make each other's heads explode. And the one guy's eyes melt at the end. It's really, it's gross. Awesome. It's David David Cronenberg, who does really disgusting movies. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, the the just the image, the guy's whose head explodes is like real enough that it looks like that's probably what it looks like for someone's head to explode. Yeah. But if you watch it now, you can tell that it's not real. But there's still something in your brain that doesn't. It's not as easy as if it was digital. Yeah. When there's something computer generated, our brains can still pick up on it and be like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. That's that's really accurate. You know what freaked me out, just kind of unrelated to that, what? is it was a lame movie, but the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Oh, when, that was that was my actual answer, was the Temple of Doom, really. Yeah. I saw that, when and he, as a kid, I thought, I shouldn't have saw that. Yeah. When he reaches in and grabs the dude's heart, it's like, oh, uh, yeah. that's not cool. Kalima Shakide. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that is the, and that's the movie. What a shame they only made three of those. <laughs> I know. I, I think that they're going to make a fourth one. That's what I've heard. But it might not even be directed I, by Spielberg. I doubt it. <laughs> I've heard that it's going to be directed by James Mangold, who did hmm. Logan. Oh. How about that? Okay. And Walk the Line. So. Interesting. You know, you yeah, know, okay. you know, he's done a lot of movies. He's, he's got a lane. I think he also did uh, 610 to Yuma. Did you see that movie? No. It's a good movie. Again, I don't even know if that's the real title. I think it's five ten. I would tell you all now that I can't believe I am on a podcast that delves this much into I pop always, culture. I and always movies. push because your your depth of field is deeper than you think it is, and there's always some random movie yeah. that you've seen, yeah, Tree like of Life. Tree of Life, yeah, yeah. that you, that you shouldn't have. If you right. to be someone who really isn't engaged in culture on the level that you sometimes claim to be, yeah, you're engaged in culture. You just have a, a smaller, it's yeah, smaller window. Yeah, and that, I have an obsessive view of culture yeah. where even stuff that I haven't seen like scanners I know about scanners I, I've not watched scanners <laughs> but I have inc- the Rolodex I have big. a weird depth of knowledge of it I was talking to my wife about this this morning she knows my social security number and so her social security number I barely know my social security <laughs> number <laughs> and she knows like all of the all of our credit card numbers like because we were entering in yeah. something to, and I was like I'm amazed at your ability to do that like not like it's just a natural, and it probably feels like when, uh, like all the random pointless trivia that I have just stuck in my head. Like, I, I, I don't try to have it there. It's just there. It's yeah. just something my brain holds onto, and her, her brain holds onto numbers, which is really helpful, and it makes us work really well together. Yep. Because she can tell us what our credit card number is and what my social security number is, and I can tell you who wrote the screenplay to the original Jurassic Park. That was Sorkin, right? Is David Kep. No. Yeah. <laughs> And Sorkin did did uh, rewrites on it. Sorkin did the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. The, the real quippy parts where yeah. everyone's too clever. That's <laughs> that's the Aaron Sorkin yeah. parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that so? What is uh, the the real challenge of this now? Like now that we have kids, and especially because my kids are um, ten. Uh, my daughter just turned nine, mm-hmm. which is hooray. So ten and a half, nine, seven and a half, uh, and the. I certainly had seen, even when I was seven, by the time I was seven and a half, by the time I was 10, I had seen all three Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. Because the last one came out in 89 and I saw that in the movie theater. 
uh, same year as Batman. It was a great summer for movies. Yeah, it was. Also, UHF came out. Was that the year in Stranger Things when you go past the movie theater and they're no, showing? No, like, that's was, 85. That's what Back to the Future. Back to the like, Future. Back to Oz. Return to Oz. Return yeah. to Oz, yeah, yeah. Back to the Oz. Back Return to, to the, the Future. Oz. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's like lesser, no, lesser movies in that mix, like Day of the Dead is one of them, which is the... The least good of the Dawn of the Dead, or of the <laughs> Night of the Living Dead movies, um, but it still came out. Like it's very accurate to. We talked about this before, but like all the movies on the marquee in in Stranger Things season three, when they're at the mall, all did come out that weekend. It's pretty impressive, yeah. or were would have been in in theaters that week. Um, but I don't know when. Like, and I don't know when. Like, when can my kids see Goonies? Right. They haven't seen Goonies. And we may have talked about this one point because we watched Back to the Future, which Back to the Future has a lot of swears in it. Yeah. Uh, on a level that I had not anticipated. They're all PG level swears. Right. But there's a lot of them. And like more than you think. And so when we were watching it, uh, there's just a lot of swearing. And my oldest is real sweet. And he every time there was a swear, he just kept going, oh, like because he knows that, like, <laughs> that's not what I was supposed to say. And it's like. Not making him uncomfortable, but just kind of knowing, like, oh, that we're not supposed to hear that. And yeah. so, literally, every single time he just had this physical reaction, just every time there was a story, he just went, oh. Uh, and I had to, like, turn the, the, we usually watch things with the subtitles on. Mm-hmm. And I turned them off because I could tell that my, my daughter, who's real, like, observant, was, like, really reading the. He's <laughs> spelling like, oh, that's out. how you spell oh, that word. Okay. <laughs> like, you jot that down in my notes. Not ready for this one yet. So, uh, just the level of stuff we were exposed to when we were kids. Also, so back to Temple of Doom, um, that movie and Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Gremlins? I have. Uh, those two movies are the reason why there's a PG-13. I could see that. Because it's, it's not PG. No. But it's not it's, R It's either. not R, but it's certainly not PG. Yeah. And both of those movies are like kind of marketed towards kids and have incredibly graphic stuff in it. Yeah. Gremlins especially. Like yeah, Gremlins, you would not expect that to be. It's really violent. It's a great movie. But there's a point at which the mom throws a gremlin into the microwave and explodes yes. the gremlin. So you see a, it's a gremlin, and it's all green when it blows up, but it is graphic. Yeah. From, graphic in the, like, monstery, yeah. this is not real kind of way. But also in but the, kid, in the non-CGI, this is, that's a real thing that they made right. that moved that blew up. Yep. The same way that the melting heads, it's you know it's not real, but you also don't know it's, it's not real. real. Yeah. And Poltergeist is another one. Have you seen Poltergeist? No. I hadn't seen Poltergeist until I was an adult, but Poltergeist is, is from 81. So Steven Spielberg is the one pushing all these boundaries. Yeah. Poltergeist has some incredible, like, I think that's PG. It is a hard PG-13, like, to if it was rated now. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really, really scary graphic stuff that happens in that. There's one, this image where a guy, like, scratches his face off. It's so... Neat. It's... it's <laughs> Neat. <laughs> Sounds good. Give me some more popcorn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cool. I'm going to go puke now. <laughs> so uh, I think that there's um, uh, there's something. It's interesting to me as a, as a parent now. Yeah. And especially as we're so much more desensitized to so many things. The things that we were allowed to be exposed to, even though you're your dad was trying to say, don't watch this R-rated movie, even though it's not really. Yeah. We'll, like, we'll have that discussion yeah. this weekend. And yeah. I had I had limits like that. Like there was yeah. a lot of stuff. And my parents were pretty permissive on a lot of things, but then they're also, clearly they didn't want me to see things I shouldn't. I remember seeing the Michael Jackson thriller video Yeah. when I was like four. That, that in four of itself, yeah. And the video itself, if you've seen the full video, the full video is like 25 minutes long. It's a little mini movie. And at the very beginning of it, he turns into a werewolf. Yep. And it's terrifying. Yep. 
And again, practical effects where you can kind of see there's a quaintness to it. You know it's not real, but it looks more real than a, something about it being physically there in real life, especially as a little kid. You know that this actually happened. I don't know how it happened, so maybe that's what it looks like to turn into a werewolf. Yeah. And he's screaming. It looks terrible. Like it's I think I think terrifying. part of the parent push to like protect kids a little more from culture is just how much more prevalent media is. Yeah. Like even that's back true. to the Batman thing. That's like true. I had a VHS cassette. Yeah. Our family had one TV with a VCR on it. So like the all they had to do was defend this one corner yeah. of the living room. Um, but now it's everywhere. It's in their phones. It's on their pocket. You know, like, it, so I think parents up the game in terms of like, don't watch this. Don't do this. Don't. Yeah. Because it, it's a little more prevalent. It is. It's interesting as, and I, especially as someone who sees the, like, I want them to know Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones was a great, great character to, yeah. to be, to pretend to be that like, yeah. there was so much my creative imagination. The, pretend the, time was pretending to be Indiana Jones. If the Muppet Babies can spoof it. Yeah. It should be available. Absolutely. That's yeah. a good thing. If there, if there's a Muppet Baby spoof or yeah, to keep with the, if Muppet Babies and or Mad Magazine yeah. would have a spoof of it. Yeah. As a, an eight-year-old who those things are marketed to, I should be able to know what those references are. Mm -hmm. And Indiana Jones was definitely something. It was just, it's, Indiana Jones are great movies. I highly recommend them. All three of them are really good. All three? All three. Watch the full, the full canon of Indiana and Jones not movies. not a minute more. No, I mean, just watch every single minute that there is. And if you, if you get full past all three movies, like you've yeah. completed the three movies and you're like, I want more Indiana Jones. You can watch the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, that's the a, show. That's it's actually really good, and it's a shame that they then stopped, like in the mid '90s, and then we've just had this like drought of nothing. And so yeah. it'll be exciting to see how they resurrect this character after nearly forty years. Yeah, thirty Cer years. Certainly not in the uh, the, the Soviet era. No, and, or, no, or or like, and it's good that like you wouldn't think like, hey, let's just throw in the hottest star like Shia LaBeouf into this or something <laughs> like that. Like it's kind of good that they've never even really. Yeah, had the desire yeah, why to would do they, that. They, so that they waited until the right time. Avoid the temptation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I have a, a couple of like quick questions that I didn't okay. write down. I'm looking at my book as though I did write the book. <laughs> I was fire. thinking of these are um, some potential like guest questions oh, of like trying okay. to figure out. So we had the typical guest question. I'll ask you again, uh, just to, to bring everybody up. So this is rapid fire. Hogwarts house. Hufflepuff. Um, Enneagram number nine. We talk about that all the time. Number What's your nine? wing? What's your wing? Number nine. You know what? I, I'm doing some exploring on this. I think I mentioned this in the anger episode. I think I'm a wing eight. Oh, yeah. Because um, I tap into that anger more than I thought I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, that that's... Was a, the, the anger episode was a very therapeutic episode for both of us. Yeah. In terms of like learning how we deal with anger and how we process stuff. It's and, really true. And awareness of that, too. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. you are a very well-traveled nine. Yeah. That like you're I'm in touch with all the, all the other... Yeah, I, I have, and I think we talked about this on the, oh no, we didn't talk about this on the podcast, of like, focus, like, um, hmm. that, uh, and I don't know if this is a nine thing or, or what, I can't remember, what, no, this is, I don't know, whatever, but the idea of focus, um, I, sometimes I struggle with focus, who'd have thought, <laughs> uh, but it's not that I can't focus on any one thing, it's that I'm focused on everything. Yeah. And, um, oh, we talked, we talked about this at one point with someone with, uh, listening to music and stuff. And I will listen to stuff when I go to sleep. And part of that is to help me focus on yes. one thing yes. rather than focusing on everything. So rapid fire question number two, and, <laughs> and this, this may be, Let's be more rapid than the yeah. last time. Oh, yeah. What was the other? So favorite superhero, Superman, um, favorite star Wars 
movie? A movie? Empire. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, here's a one that you might not have an answer to, but I think if you either you know this and you have an answer or you don't. Uh, favorite member of Monty Python? Ooh. Uh, Gleason. Gleason? John Cleese? Yes. Okay. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that a typical like that's he's the he's, he's the, the most recognizable. He's the John Lennon yeah. of the group. Yeah. Um, he did a thing recently with Colbert. Yeah. On the big fuzzy hat, and that's my favorite <laughs> sketch. And to have him and Colbert do it together was nice. outstanding. Uh, here, here's one that definitely is a little bit more of a thinker. Favorite cast member of Saturday Night Live. Oh, that is a thinker. Yeah. And so, I mean, and so don't. I mean, I, I, I'll give what you freedom to. Name? I'll give you freedom to change this over time if you have time to think of it. But just kind of, what's the first that pops into your head? The guy that always I can't remember his name now. <clears throat> he had a weird movie about animals. About animals? Yeah, he was in the Jimmy Fallon era. Oh, was it Corky Romano? I mean, like, uh, yes, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> his name is. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, dang it! Now I can only think. Hang on, of I got IMDb Romano. right here. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't tell me. I gotta get it. Uh, his name is Chris Kattan. Yes, Chris Kattan is your favorite. That's a dark horse I, choice. It is, but and it, the reason he's my favorite is because without fail, when he's doing something, yeah, I'm laughing. My favorite Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan is one of my favorite cast members of Saturday Night Live. Everything he's done outside of Saturday Night Live, I oh, it's have awful. very little interest it's in. It's abysmal. But I, he was one of my favorite when he wasn't the star of the of the uh, sketch. Yeah, he was a great straight man, which is really funny because he was he was also a funny wacky guy and he would go all in. Yeah, like his mango sketches and the <laughs> Mr. Peepers and stuff like that. But um, there's some sketches where he's he has one line and it's not a joke and it's always it's always hilarious to me. Yeah, uh, there's one uh, one sketch that's. A, a sketch that's funny because it's not funny. That's like Will Ferrell and um, the the lady who played Sister Mary Catherine. Oh, uh, uh, Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon. And both of them were good at like keeping a straight face uh-huh. be, when things aren't funny. And they're like on this blind date that's going terrible. And Chris Kattan just plays the 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 bartender, <laughs> and he just keeps coming up. He's like. Um, so, uh, special day is jalapeno poppers. <laughs> and they're like, sure. And then he comes back after five minutes, like, actually, we're out of jalapeno poppers today. <laughs> and it's just like something about his his straightness uh, yeah. of telling those lines when he is such a goofy guy was just really so funny good. to me. Also, uh, quick number two, though, and I know it's current, but Kate McKinnon. Yeah, she's pretty great. Is hilarious in every situation. Yeah. Like, she can go over the top, ridiculous. Yeah. She can also dial it down and be more subtle. She's yeah. very funny. My favorite. I should I should come up with answers to these questions. First, my, my favorite Python is Michael Palin, um, who is uh, Sir Galahad in the. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's the what a strange person like that guy. <laughs> um, and I'm also like real like all in on these Michael Palin travel videos. Like he did all these oh, travel right. around yeah, the world yeah, yeah, right. stuff. I, like I'm obsessed with him right now. Um, I got them from the from the library. You should get them. They're on the library. Around the world in 80 days, full circle, pole to pole. He did all these great Support your stuff. local library. Yeah, in the 80s and 90s. We need to do a library episode oh, with, man. Uh, with your favorite librarian. Yeah. Uh, favorite Saturday Night Live cast member might be Jason Sudeikis. From, also a great like, choice. Just in terms of his SNL stuff. Like I love Will Ferrell. But a lot of what I love about Will Ferrell is the stuff he did later, and also the stuff he did later in his SNL stuff. His early SNL stuff is actually uh, funny, but not super exciting. Like yeah. the, 
uh, Roxbury guys and the cheerleaders. Like they're funny, but they got kind of old. Yeah. They, they did they did too many sketches of those. Yep. Uh, his funniest stuff is the like w- the twelve fifty five sketch that they would do <laughs> like right at the end. I also loved uh, Will Forte because Will Forte would do the weirdest stuff. Yeah. I do love the super weird sketches. Yeah. Uh, Such a such a good good show. Okay, last quick question. Yes. Who was your first celebrity crush? Oh man. I th- I think I was trying to think if there was one before this, but I don't think there was. Uh, Gwen Stefani. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mine was uh, I think well it was either Christy Brinkley, yeah, who was uh, Billy Joel's wife. She was a swimsuit model, and she was my first crush. And that I was too young to know what a crush was. I just remember thinking, I wish she was my mom, <laughs> <laughs> and not not that I didn't like my mom. I loved my mom, but I just remember thinking, and I think it was that thing of like. Realizing I'm attracted to this person, but I'm too young to know what, what that yeah, even why, means. Why is that? It's just like I kind of just wish this person was in my life all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so her. But then the first one where I remember being like, uh, I have a crush on this girl was Paula Abdul. Wow. Yeah, Paula Abdul and and step uh, by step and Janet Jackson. Yeah. Uh, step by step. Is that her? Step, step by step is by that's step. the new kids on the block. Is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. She, no, she, two steps forward, one step back. Opposite that's it. Really that's her. Okay. So anyway, uh, should we get this party started? Well, I, I yeah. I mean, I. Uh, Are you not ready to podcast right now? No, I'm fine. I just yeah. I'm back to you and your face scratching off things. So I might need to go barf a little bit. Oh. Yeah. So. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, Knives Out. Don't you want to talk about Knives Out? I mean, not really. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen Knives Out? No. It's been in the... It's on the... It's been out. Yeah. <laughs> the knives are not in anymore. The knives are gone. I don't know yeah. if you heard this, but headline, everybody. Yeah. Knives are out. Knives are out. They're on... It's streaming. And it, it is. You and can I, rent it. I would like to do those things, especially because Chris Chris Evans is America's sweetheart. <sighs> he really is. He's uh, the best Chris. Of, of all time. Right, and he, him and then Chris, Chris Jenner, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm going to go up chuck because of the face scratching Blue. thing but uh if you want to you just wanted to sit here and talk by yourself about i guess i, I was out. gonna talk to you about it i got this whole look at this all these notes that i have here yeah all, the, all these <laughs> knives out notes just pages yeah you can hear them well so many pages why don't you just start reading them and see what happens all right yeah, well. Well, but until then i'm i'm jay wait you're actually oh and i'm tyler we'll see what happens after the jump <laughs> this is roughing the past <laughs> wait, i guess maybe kind of <laughs> This is a spoiler episode. Rachel Jones is here. Hi, Rachel. What's up? So this is just for people who've watched the movie Knives Out or who don't care. And if you don't care about the movie uh, Knives Out, stop this right now. You need to care about it. <laughs> Go see Knives because Out it's a great right movie. now. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. 
Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? <laughs> you think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt. killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Harlem was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. Was Harlan planning on cutting off Joni? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? That's some heavy-duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass. Very nice. Oh, Ransom. Ransom. You gotta do this more often. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out. This is a twisted web. And we are not finished untangling it. Not yet. Keep waiting for the big reveal. All of them lied to me. There is one guilty party behind it all. You know something. Spill it. Oh my God. Tell me what happened to my grandfather. I think you have something you want to tell me. One of the things about Knives Out that makes it so enjoyable is the surprise. And mm -hmm. so we're going to spoil all those surprises because it's also a movie that should be talked about. Yeah. And it would be really, it really would be a shame. I do not want to spoil this movie for anybody because it's such a delightful movie. So please just keep this in your back pocket until you see the movie Knives Out. This podcast will be available for until iTunes shuts down. So, <laughs> um, uh, which Technically, iTunes shut down about six months ago. That's true. And now it's just Apple Podcasts. So uh, until podcasts are no longer a thing, this will be available. Um, so watch the movie Knives Out. And now we're going to talk about it. This is Ryan Johnson, director of uh, Star the best Wars, Star Wars movie. The, the, the best Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Hot take. Definitely in the top three. The best. I'll, I'll give you the top three. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we can disagree on that. <laughs> sure. But yeah, no, it's. Um, a murder mystery with numerous twists. Um, and you had me at murder mystery, and then you locked me in with numerous twists. Yeah, I know. And and so it it opens with you learning that old man Christopher Plummer has died, um, has committed suicide apparently. Um, and then we flash forward to after his funeral, um, when the police are just doing follow ups with his whole family. Um, yeah. and it, they claim that it's just, um, you know, procedural sort of follow-ups, but then we are introduced to, um, a detective played by Daniel Craig doing a horrible Southern accent. Um, yeah, it is not it's, great. It's, I do have to admit it's, it's not a great Southern accent. 
it's not the worst Louisiana accent. Yeah. It's still not a great accent, but it's it's better as a Louisiana accent, which I think he's trying to be because he, I can't remember what his name Blanc yeah. is his yeah. name. Yeah, which which speaks to be like kind of a Creole Absolutely. like Louisiana thing. So it's still not great, but it's it, it's it also it's fine. It's, it's it's not distracting. It's campy in a way that I do think suits the tone of the movie, honestly. Yes, very much so. Mr. Blanc, I know who you are. I read your profile in the New Yorker. I found it delightful. I just buried my 85-year-old father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I'm here at the behest of a client. Who? I cannot say, but let me assure you this. My presence will be ornamental. You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer of the truth. I think it's a good parallel to, clearly this is um, uh, kind of patterned after the um, Agatha Christie mm-hmm. stuff and like Murder on the Order- Orient Express, which has Poirot as the, Inspector yeah. Poirot as yeah. the main guy. And he has this outrageous French accent. So for, for Daniel Craig to have an outrageous kind of Creole accent, I'm on board with it. I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, so we meet Daniel Craig. He's... Um, chilling kind of behind the cops um just listening um and he gradually reveals that he's been hired to investigate the case because of possible suspected foul play um that he's just investigating whether there's even any justification for investigating into some murder um and so we are primarily following um the christopher Plummer's nurse um and she is soon revealed to be the um, actual cause of his death um, because she accidentally gives him uh, a lot and a lot of morphine, apparently. Yeah. Which I think is really, I think that's an interesting um, thing in this movie is that it's a two hour and 10 minute movie. Yeah. And probably an hour into the movie, it tells, it's a whodunit. And an hour into the movie, they tell you exactly who done it and how they done it. I feel like it's even less. Like... Yeah, it's yeah. it's just enough that they've established kind of all of the they put all the pieces on the board, mm-hmm. and then when you think, I wonder how we're gonna figure this out, and then they just tell you exactly this is what happened. Yeah, and I remember thinking that's so exciting, but now what do we do for the mm-hmm. rest of the movie? Well, so I I totally had a guess where it was going to go before they revealed that someone else had actually caused his death. Um, had you seen um, Blade Runner? Uh, I have not seen Blade Runner 2049. The so the nurse in it, I don't know her name. Something Paz Olivia? I can't remember. I don't know where her name is. She's fantastic. Um she is she has a pretty significant role in the Blade Runner movie. Okay. Um and she plays uh like basically um uh Ryan uh Gosling's is the main character mm-hmm. in like his love interest, but she's like a an AI oh. like hologram. Mm-hmm. And which is really, it's a really, really interesting character. You should watch that movie. That's a great. I'm movie. planning on it. Yeah, um, yeah. But she's in that, and very. I mean, there's, she's objectified in a certain way, like, but not in in a way that the movie is very clear about, and that Ryan Gosling is fighting against. Mm-hmm. Like the the nature of the hologram is created to be this kind of pleasure object, yeah. and he doesn't see her that way. But it's so so she's she's compelling and really great in that role. And it took me, 
uh, I saw it with, uh, with my wife and I kept leaning over to Adrian's like, who is she from? And Adrian's like, Oh, she's from Blade Runner. Like she figured it out. And it, it was one of those things where I needed to know before I could like bring myself back into the rest <laughs> of the movie. So it was really, really helpful to be sitting by Adrian to have her point that out. But so the, the thing that I was kind of expecting to happen once they revealed that, um, she was the one who did it was that there's this one scene. I, I think it's when Daniel Craig is talking to Christopher Plummer's mother, um, where he says that what matters is what people do with the information of the case once they learn about it. Um, And so what I was kind of thinking was maybe that he was going to realize that the nurse did kill Christopher Plummer um, or was implicated in his death. Um, And then because of how crappy the family was, he was going to decide not to turn her in or arrest her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's an interesting thing towards the end of the movie, too, that he points out that he knew from the moment he saw her, he knew that she had something to do with it because of her blood on her shoe. Yeah. So whether or not whether or not that's the way the movie ended, he was operating that way. That he knew that it's her, but he's he's biding his time before he makes a yeah. judgment. One of the most satisfying moments about rewatching it is seeing how he looks at her shoes, by the way. Yeah. But yeah, so I that was how I thought it might go once they revealed her as the murderer so early. Um, but I also was distrustful of Chris Evans's character right away because of the dogs barking at him. And so the yeah. whole time I was also sitting there with those two separate piece of, pieces of information trying to figure out how they were going to fit together yeah i missed the dog thing okay. at first they and they did point it out later and i thought oh i should have paid attention i think i was still trying to figure out who the girl was <laughs> what movie she was from yeah the dog. but i do love as a general comment i love that there are very few likable people in this mm-hmm. movie but everyone is incredibly enjoyable yeah i agree like, it's it is just a feast for these actors yeah to like jamie the curtis is wonderful chris evans I love this performance. I love this character. Mm-hmm. I was delighted. Like the scene where she he gets her to jump in his car and they drive yeah. away. And he says, I, I think this would be a great growing experience for all of us. <laughs> it was Yes. I loved that line. I knew that like he is he is a total jerk, but it was it was just it's a wonderful opportunity to be these terrible people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for getting together like this. It isn't Legally necessary, but I thought because you're all in town and some of you are leaving soon. Excuse me. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to gently request that you all stay in town until the investigation is completed. Well, he's gently requesting, but I'm going to have to make that in order. No one move until we figure this all out. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed or no, we can't ask. Mr. Stevens, uh, you may continue. I also, um, Tony Collette is amazing in everything that I've ever seen her oh. in. And yes, yes. She was wonderful in it too. She's also, she has such great nuance mm-hmm. in her performances mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel like, oh, this is just a variation on the Sixth Sense mom. Or, oh, this is just a variation on Hereditary. Yeah. Or, or her, like, the uh, United States of Terra. Like any of yeah. those things that she's done. It, everything feels like a fresh character. And this was. Uh, her ability to do an American accent is unreal because she's Australian. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved this character and immediately like from every, the, the way she interacted with people, there was such subtlety that I knew that I, 
I knew exactly who she was, which was great. <laughs> uh, there, there wasn't, and and it was, yeah. She was, she was a great character. The characterization, the the acting is wonderful. The directing is wonderful. The writing is wonderful. Yeah, no, it's I also a love the movie. little touch that no one, no one knew where the where <laughs> uh, the the housekeeper is from. Yes, absolutely. Like they all say, like, oh yeah, she's from Honduras. She's from Brazil. She's from Guatemala. And they never actually tell us where she's from. Like the movie never tells us. Oh, it doesn't. No, not that I, I could catch. She said it at one point. I I oh, didn't man. catch it anywhere. Um, the only thing that we can that's, probably that's we can probably write off Brazil just because her like her mom, she and her family are speaking Spanish, um, not Portuguese. Um, yeah, not Portuguese. So we can yeah. probably write off Brazil, but like the rest of the ones that they say, like technically we don't know what the correct answer is or if it's something yeah. else they didn't think it was and that gets into the larger point so i mean one of the things i love that this is just a great whodunit mm-hmm. but i feel like um you get this final shot which is uh, in some ways it feels like i feel like ryan reynolds or ryan ryan johnson not ryan reynolds yeah. <laughs> ryan johnson um had that image in his head and then wrote the movie backwards yeah. from that yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's true, but it just see, because it's such a perfect final shot mm-hmm. of the reversal of fortune. Right. And the point where um, I think Jamie Lee Curtis says, you need to get out of our house. Mm-hmm. And then they all stop and look at Frank Oz, mm-hmm. who's the lawyer. And then he reads that it's actually her house. Yep. And then they all have to go outside. Yep. And then she has the house. Uh, and so this great, like delightful whodunit um, with that coupled with the scene in the middle where where it, it teases the scene um, where they're talking about politics, where they're right. straight up talking about Donald Trump. Right. Um, and it teases that scene earlier. And when it teased, it does it such, it's b- so beautiful that it, it shows it as a friendly mm-hmm. scene at first because you're hearing it from Don Johnson's side. Yep. And Don Johnson, and it, and it doesn't show you a different shot. It just only shows you a certain aspect where Don Johnson is welcoming the housekeeper or the nurse uh, into have a conversation with the family. And he is using that over the top of it. He's saying, oh, she's part of the family. We welcome her in. Right. And then later you see that full scene and he is welcoming her into a conversation where she is an object that they are debating over, which is so gross and so true to where we are right now. And the funniest moment of that scene where after beckoning her over, he just like shoves his plate into her hand. Yeah. Um, oh man. That was and so he doesn't subtle. even. And it's almost like he didn't even realize he's doing. Yeah. It. He doesn't say anything, and she just takes it. Like, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. Oh man. And I, I also like the nuance that it's not just uh, conservative and progressive, or, mm-hmm. or conservative and liberal, or something like that. Where yeah, they all get on the nephew who is like an alt right activist, right, and are critical of him. And then you have the Tony Collette character who is a rich person who like kind of dabbles in liberal idealism. Yep. But even within that conversation, they're all kind of on the same page that rich people deserve money. 100%. Uh, can we talk about it compared to Clue? Because sure. I was... Oh man, I, I'll talk about anything compared <laughs> to Clue. I love, I love Clue. Because um, it's... I only thought about this like while you were talking about the politics thing um, where yeah. it they do a really obvious like evocation of Clue during the end credits when we get the portraits of each of the characters. Um, and they're like very clearly trying to get us to think about Clue. Um, but I'm just thinking now about the political undertones of Clue too. There is also a point though, like right at the beginning where Lakeith Stanfield, the, I think he's an FBI agent. Yeah. Like comments and says he lives in a Clue house. Yeah. 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 Um, and so like it's, 
that happened and then like the the end credits are like really loud but i i'm just thinking about the political undertones um in terms yeah. of clues commentary on like its references to communism um and um political oh, yeah. tensions yeah. that were happening at the time um in a way that was it it felt like it was also critiquing all of these rich people who are in this space um who have these certain readings of politics um it just yeah. does not do quite the same thing of juxtaposing like a poorer person or a lower class person against them. Because Wadsworth doesn't yeah. quite count in the same way, I don't think. No, no, no. Well, and also, uh, um, I think Clue is more subtle mm-hmm. in its agenda. Mm-hmm. In that, like, Clue's primary agenda is to be a lovely farce that is yeah. um, this kind of quick witted, like, fast. Um, it's it's like a stage play yep. as a movie absolutely and it has that it has and really to that with especially with the trick of the um the different endings mm-hmm. which i guess when it when it originally was released in theaters each it didn't have all three endings it had just a random ending, right yes depending on which showing yeah. you saw the sorry i stopped it marta cabrera marta is the na- nurse's name and her name is ana de armas okay well cool i i think that um I, I, it's one, I just, it was from the moment I sat down to the moment the end credits rolled, um, it, even to the end of the end credits, like it was just, it was a delightful movie. And so one, I love art that will just take hold of you and not let go yeah. of you for two hours. Absolutely. Um, and there's something about, I don't see movies in the movie theater as much as I used to. I mean, part of it is that, uh, it, everything in our culture seems to be wanting us to stay home and watch movies on our giant TVs mm-hmm. at home. Um, and or our our computer screen right. uh, or our phone like it's just, even the screens on our phone are better than most of the screens I had growing up um, so there's that but also just life is harder to get to the, it's cheaper to just wait until stuff yep. come out um, so it's it's nice to have had that experience and I went my wife and I went at 1030 in the morning and it was a full it was a sold out theater oh my gosh which was crazy yeah I mean part of it is that the, they redid the theater so I think there's only like 60 or 70 seats in there but oh but even still, so it was, it was filled with people yeah um and we were in the front row like we got there late and, and <laughs> i mean it's 10 30 so we didn't think we'd have to fight for it but we had to sit right in the front uh so even in that experience like we were overwhelmed by the movie yeah uh but in a in a good way like they it was uh, i wouldn't have i wouldn't choose to sit that close to the screen in most situations but this one was was kind of fun because you couldn't escape it sure um, sure which was which was great anyway. But I love uh, I love the notion of art that can, um, that this this to me is art at, at its best. Um, what it does best, what movies can do best, is that they can delight you, they can uh, excite you. That there there's a couple of not really scary things in here, but there's a lot of I, I mean there's a couple of moments that are that are very suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Um, and but there's great levity. That it's really, really smart. It doesn't feel like it has to dumb things down for you. Yeah. And um, even even Clue does that. I mean, Clue, which is a very different tone, like it's a very kind of wacky, daffy tone, still um, has jokes that that go at a speed and a level that it's it's it doesn't stop for you to keep up with it. It just yep. assumes you're going to get this. And if you don't get that, that's all right. We've got nine more jokes coming in the next thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, and this movie is not unlike, I like that comparison, even though it has a very different tone. Um, it still keeps with that. That's in a sense, some of the best whodunits have that feel to it. Yeah, I agree. 
Have you seen Gosford Park? No. So Gosford Park is not a bad movie. It's a whodunit that has such a different tone that it's almost jarring because um, it's Robert Altman. So I don't know if you've seen too many Robert Altman things, but he has a very slow, deliberate tone to him. And okay. it's written by um, Julian Fellow, who is the writer of um, uh, Downton Abbey. Oh. So it's really weird in that sense in that it's a whodunit directed by this guy who, I mean, he directed MASH and Nashville and Shortcuts and all this stuff that, uh, these kind of sprawling tales that, um, where people will talk over top of each other and he'll constantly be moving the camera very slowly, but he is less interested in focusing on any one thing and just kind of like overwhelming you with all of the different things going on. So This it's, cast it's is wild. In Gosford Park? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, a, I, uh, wow. it's a I, I would recommend it, but it's a very, the tone, and the reason why I bring it up is that it's, aside from maybe Murder on the Orient Express, like the original one with Albert Finney, uh, and I've seen part of the newer one with uh, Kenneth Branagh, which is not bad, but it's it's got a lot of like modern day flourishes that are a little jarring. Um, yeah. But in terms of, the, both, even those two have a whodunit that has a pace to it. It's got a rhythm that feels like a stage play. Um, Gosford Park really eschews that to give you this kind of contemplative thing so that even by the end of it, you don't even really care who did it, which, it, it, I mean, it leaves you <laughs> with a feeling that's like, huh. Like, cause it does, it gets very Downton Abbey before Downton Abbey happened that it, the movie mm-hmm. kind of tricks you into all of a sudden being about the difference between the upstairs and the downstairs, between the servants and the, Interesting. And the, the rich people. Um, so that one has a, has a, it kind of surrenders to the overall moral of the of the movie um, and and turns into a different movie halfway through that you don't even realize like all of a sudden you real it's like if you're ever really tired and you're driving your car and all of a sudden you're you're at home and you don't realize that you're like oh how did I get there uh, that's it uh, Gosford Park feels like that whereas Knives Out feels like you're on a ride the whole way and it yeah. in a sense you can have your guard down enough that you don't realize there was a point until you get to that last scene. Absolutely. Uh, and you realize, oh, this was about something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I think you get, you can start to see it um, in the scene that where they're just blatantly talk about, talking about 2019 um, politics. Um, but it, it doesn't really land as hard until you get to that last scene. You're like, oh, this whole thing was about... Uh, kind of class divide and and entitlement and I love that there's a line that um, uh, I think that uh, Chris Evans has where he said you're trying to take away our, our ancestral home right and and uh, uh, he says well you bought he bought it in 1988 from a Saudi Arabian yep. uh, like arms dealer uh, and I think that that it speaks to uh, this class divide and this cultural the, the haves and the haves nots yeah. The haves and the have-nots. I also, I love the moments right at the beginning of the movie um, when when the various family members say, like, oh, I thought you should be at the funeral, but I was outvoted. Yeah, um, everybody says it. It's like, so great. And, and this moment where it's seeing that part of the performance of, like, oh, yeah, she's totally family. Like, she totally deserves to be part of this person's life. And, like, when they tell yeah. her, like, oh, yeah, we'll totally help you and give you some of the money once we get the will. Um, 
and then the drastic juxtaposition of the moment when the will is read and they all turn on her and it's yeah. so clear that they never saw her as family at all oh yeah um, well and even right before that you get the one guy comes in and says we're gonna take care of you yep and we all agree that we, we that you're like family we'll take care of you exactly but as soon exactly. as as soon as she gets all the money they turn on her and she I, it, I thought it was really interesting that it had the point where um uh the the one character uh rachel something is her name rachel in the movie the daughter the daughter who is in 30 reasons why that's literally yeah, all i yeah, know yeah. of her as yeah she's rachel in that right that's that's her i don't know name in 13 reasons why her name okay i got it up right here her name is meg meg uh, meg meg thromby Catherine langford who is also australian um but the uh um when she calls to talk to um, Marta and sa- and says, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, Marta me- immediately says, I'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. That, that, and, and I remember at the time thinking like, no, don't take care of them. They don't deserve it. But uh, Daniel Craig, his character has a really good point at the end because uh, when she kind of accepts, when Marta accepts that she's gotten the money, she says yep. to Daniel Craig, what do you think I should do? Should I take care of them? And Daniel Craig's response is so great because he says, I have an opinion on that, but I think that you're just going to do what's in your heart. Yep. And that is so, and so it leaves almost on this cliffhanger of like these people who she, who are looking down at her, even though she's above them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and they clearly would not help her if they were given the chance. And she is in a position of power and has the opportunity to help these people who are really kind of scoundrels. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, so I like that. It gets it exactly what Jesus is talking about, and the first will be last, and the last will be first, and that whoever mm-hmm, wants mm-hmm. to save their life must lose it. And one of the things that the, the movie kind of goes out of its way, not really out of its way, but is really clear in pointing out that she is a good person. Yeah. And even Daniel Craig, I think, in the end, kind of says, it's you have proven to me that you're a good person. Yep. And so I knew in the end that things would be okay. Um, and, and even, and it kind of thwarts, um, Chris Evans's plan in that she's such a good person that even though it meant that she would go to jail, she stops to save the housekeeper right? who Chris Evans had poisoned with morphine and she calls 911. And that's the whole reason why, um, they're able to get Chris Evans. And then he admits to the, to murdering her. That that was a yes. great scene, and I I definitely saw that part coming that she was lying. Yeah, yeah. Um, because she yeah, did, I did she too. did a great job of like choking back the vomit during that entire moment. Yeah, uh, which was oh that was yeah. wonderful. That was a really and that's I think the the nice thing about this movie too is that that was the closest it came to you need to suspend disbelief mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of having this kind of weird thing that every time you lie you throw up. Yep. Like that's the most ridiculous thing about the movie, and it's not that ridiculous, but it still is. It's a it's a device that the movie uses fully. And it, once you get on board with that, everything else is very believable. There's nothing too extreme. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, so that we just spoiled the movie for you. Yep. So uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully hopefully you hadn't listened to that before you watched it. And if you did, still watch it. It's still a fun thing, even though you know now what's gonna happen. Oh, it's so satisfying to uh, watch knowing. It's all right, well, well, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, let us know what you think about Knives Out. Uh, we'll talk about it in spoiler sense. And uh, if you talk about it on Twitter, you could just uh, private message us or whatever. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, uh, thanks, Rachel. Oh, I'm always happy to talk about movies, man. I wish Jay hadn't left, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see you later. Oh, oh. 
Oh, that was, uh, oh. You just don't know how much scratching somebody's face off is going to make you have to upchuck. <laughs> yeah, and you hadn't even seen the movie. No, but yeah. that almost made it worse. I was just visualizing it over and over. I didn't even tell you about, yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't even tell you about how that scene starts where he like starts eating chicken and he realizes there's a bunch of maggots on it. Okay. Well, that's, it's legitimately the grossest part uh, about that movie. Uh, that's real? I'm yeah. going to go back to puking. <laughs> you didn't do anything while I was gone, did you? Yeah, did, uh, Rachel and I talked about uh, Knives Out. You've seen that movie, right? Did, I can't remember. You, I asked you that earlier. I didn't answer the question. What no. did you think about Knives Out? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, it's actually probably good that you weren't here. Yeah. Because we just spoiled the whole thing. So, oh, good. Uh, this, this was a spoiler episode. Warning. Spoiler episode. <laughs> At the end of the episode. Spoiler warning. Yeah. We just told you the plot of the of, uh, of Knives Out. Uh, thanks, Rachel, for being here. Yay. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jay, I guess, for not being here. Yeah. Since I, you didn't get spoiled. You should go watch Knives Out. Uh, is there, are there maggots? And There are no <laughs> maggots. That's true. There are no scratching of faces off. There's no. I don't think there's any blood in this movie. Okay. There may be a blood stain. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great movie. Oh my god, it was so good. Uh, I won't tell you anything because you haven't seen anything. I might very well red box it on the way. You should. Yep. You should. It's also it's rentable. I think it's only like it's definitely three dollars or less to rent on iTunes. Uh, iTunes. Yeah. It might be in the cheap ninety nine cent thing. Right. I'll check it out. Rachel, someday you and I are going to do our own episode. I am all for that. It's going to be great. Yeah, I agree. That is very true. So I'm Jay. No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> All right. So I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. I've been Rachel. Oh, and this, this is, is Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. Uh, wait. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, send a Twitter question. If you've seen, if you've seen Knives Out, yeah, tell us what you thought about it. Uh, and if you haven't seen Knives Out, why did you listen to this episode? We <laughs> warned you not to listen to this episode. Uh, just like Jay, you should leave the room, go throw yes. up for half an hour. Yeah. Come back in. It's refreshing. Uh, it'll cleanse you out. Yeah. I'll clean you right <laughs> out. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. You ready to- Boy, everybody. Thanks, Rachel, for coming by. Yes, absolutely. See you next time.